welcome to another episode of Marketing Management and Money with your hosts, Ryan Murray and Ethan Migliori. So uh, last time we kind of led off, uh, we, we, we were talking about uh, financial statements, year-end uh, financials. Uh, we pretty much just spewed all over the table with our financial thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, we we hinted at the fact that we were going to continue with some some decision making and that's what we're going to be talking about today is you know it's it's first of the year a lot of people are setting new year's resolutions oh i'm i'm going to tangent on some new year's resolutions cuz <laughs> oh no i that's a pet peeve of mine but you know so everyone's thinking about new year's resolutions they're setting uh, yearly goals and we want to hit on this idea of use your financials to set your yearly goals. Like that, that should be a key ingredient of any goals. I don't care if you want to read great books on goal setting and if you want to, you know, listen to some YouTube motivational talks and get all excited. I, and I see this. I see. And this is where New Year's resolutions drive me crazy. I'm going to start with the tension, right? <laughs> We just lost 10 listeners. <laughs> we didn't want them anyway. <laughs> we want the good people, the core. So, you know, you, you come to the first of the year and everyone gets excited about New Year's resolutions. And I'm like, why don't you live your life in such a way that you're always trying to do something good, not just on January 1st? I mean, what's wrong with March 1st doing something good? Like, does it have to? And then when when people fail, and by the way, it's not a bad thing. You know, people talk about, yeah, I set a resolution and I, you know, I only did it through February. Cool. That was two months of better behavior than what you did before. You know, congratulate yourself and then restart. Take a little bit of time off. You know, I mean, if you look at the way like professional athletes train, they take breaks. They don't just push, 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 push until their body's so broken down that they can no longer perform. They push really hard and then they rest. And they push really hard and then they rest. So like on your New Year's resolution, go ahead and push and then rest and then push and then rest and set set, set a resolution in May, you know, on, on Cinco de Mayo. Just be out there being like, hey, this is my Cinco de Mayo resolution. It doesn't have to be a New Year's resolution. <laughs> there. My, my my tangent pet peeve is out of the way. Let's talk about finance. <laughs> well, and, and actually that was pretty interesting that you shared that because a lot of people, we do, we forget that uh, it's important to have goals adjusted year-round. So I still think that was good advice. But uh, going back to your first point, this is what's why we want to use financials to help people set goals is that there are clear studies that show a direct correlation between business owners that know and understand and use their financials and the sales increase for those companies. Mm -hmm. So those business owners that are doing that one thing always, almost always have higher sales than organizations in the same industry that do not. Mm -hmm. So this is why we push so much is because we understand and see the value behind using financials to grow your business year after year after year, but you need to understand them. And, and you know, I'm, I'm sorry to interject here, but I want to talk not only about growing your sales, but also growing better sales. I, yes. Be, because a lot, a lot of times people are just like, oh, I made a sale and, and I've seen this. Um, in, in fact, so, you know, we do the podcast uh, and I, I do a lot of trainings 
And people ask me all the time. I get solicited all the time, like, oh, do you do biz- business consulting? And I'm like, I used to. I don't do business consulting anymore. It doesn't fit my business model. I am fully qualified to do business consulting, and I can. And I got hit up where just recently someone wanted me to manage their Facebook page. <laughs> That's kind of funny. No, I don't do that. I, 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 I told them, I said, so first off, I don't do that. Second off, you wouldn't want to pay what I'm going to charge because I'm going to charge you a full-on consulting fee, you know. And I'm like, cool, yeah, I can I can put a little a little post out there and, you know, you're going to pay 150 bucks an hour for me to be doing that. That's, that's awesome. You know, I'm down with that. But I uh, – I look at businesses that they start getting grabby with the wrong kind of sales. And they're just like, oh, you know, well, we, we, we can sell this and people will buy it. And I'm like, uh, but is it pulling you away? And so your financials are helping you stay on course and not not go down into these, you know, chump change areas of your business that are ultimately going to pull you away from good money. Well, well and the beauty of financials, I know we generally talk about sales and revenue with financials. Mm-hmm. But the financials tell us more. I mean, we can look and understand how to better, uh, yeah, how to be more efficient with our inventory. Sure. Okay. We can look at and use our financials to help us leverage equity or debt, whichever mm-hmm. one is a better mix for our company as we're trying to grow. Mm-hmm. So that's the beauty of financials is that we can see different aspects of the business that you're not seeing um, through uh, other sources of, of analyzing industry data and some other stuff. That, that's great to know, but the financials tell you what's going on in your backyard. Yeah, yeah. So I want to get into the nuts and bolts here, okay? Uh, you know, when, when we left off with the last episode, and by the way, if you didn't catch, a, uh, you know, if you didn't catch that episode, I highly recommend that you do because we pointed out a few things that, that you want to be looking at. And one that I want to kick off, you know, you mentioned better management of inventory. Uh, I think that would be a great place to illustrate the, uh, you know, the power of financials in goal setting. Okay. So year end, a lot of companies are doing inventory count. And, And by the way, if you don't have inventory in your business, the principles still apply. I mean, plug in whatever line item you want from, you know, your financials. So the principles here are still going to apply, but but inventory is a great example. So year-end, everyone's doing inventory count, and they're looking at that inventory count. And a lot of times, they're just kind of looking at the direction that inventory is going. Oh, inventory's up, inventory's down, right? Right now, most people have had to increase their inventory because supply chain issues are, you know, globally, they're not as fluid as they used to be. And so people are having to extend the, uh, you know, lead times, which is going to increase that that inventory line item, right? And, and FYI, uh, the experts are saying, I just watched an, uh, a thing this morning that said that the imports, um, cargo containers, mm-hmm. that problem is, is far from over. And, and the problem is, is that right now, uh, like cargo containers, it's gone from about 4,500 to get one to like 25,000, which, which means that you better be, anyways, I'm not going to say much more on that, but just know that problem is not going to go away. Mm -hmm. So you better start understanding where you're at. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we look at this and we say, okay, how do I tie my inventory to my sales? Well, the first thing is, is you need to understand the relationship between your cost of goods and your inventory. 
And so you need to be looking at these inventory turns and you need to be saying, you know, how quickly am I turning my inventory? Am I increasing my inventory because my turns are slowing down or am I increasing my inventory because my sales are going up and I require more product to support those sales? Or is it a combination of both, right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and, I, and I'm doing this inventory turn calculation and, and I'm just, you know, I'm calculating what's a day of inventory in my company. And by doing this, if I know, you know, I, I, I check out the news reports and the news reports are telling me, okay, you know, supply chain is still going to be an ongoing problem. It's going to impact my cash flow, uh, you know, even greater. Uh, and, and so if I know all this information, then I'm at the first of the year and I can look and I can see, do I need to make a change or do I need to pivot? And, you know, the difference that I would say is change is an adjustment. You know, if, if I'm like, okay, I need to allow more cash flow to support this. And so, you know, maybe I need to get some additional equity in and I'm going to forecast for the, you know, the upcoming year and make sure that I have some additional equity to give me the cash that I need so that I can have the additional inventory and so that I can cover the additional costs that have been going to support the sales forecast that I have going on. That would be a change or an adjustment. A pivot would be to say, maybe I drop this item from my uh, product mix. You know, maybe maybe it's just yeah. not the right product mix for me. You know, these problems aren't going away. If if I'm reliant on overseas suppliers, I, I'm going to be dealing with back orders. I'm going to be dealing with higher costs. Maybe the margins aren't where I want them to be. Do I pivot away from this product mix altogether and, and move in a different direction? And so that's how I'm forecasting when I'm looking at it. And, and pivots can be, I mean, you talk, you know, pretty dramatic cutting it away, but a pivot can easily be something as simple as I'm going to find a national supplier for this. It might cost me a little bit more, but guess what? It solves my supply, na- mm-hmm. supply issue by having someone who can supply it out of the United States versus shipping it in from Taiwan or mm-hmm. China or, you know, a number of those other highly commercialized companies that, that we get products from very cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, and so, if I'm doing this type of, uh, you know, this type of approach, and th- this is a hypothetical example here, but now do I change my marketing? Do I start saying, hey, you know, made in USA? Do I make that kind yes. of a, a cornerstone uh, of what I'm going after? So, so now when I, when I have these price increases, you know, instead of my marketing message being that, oh, hey, guys, you know, supply chain is, is a problem. We're getting hit with tariffs and delays. And so I had to raise my prices versus we made a conscious shift to support made in USA. So therefore, we're going to increase our pricing, uh, but we're going to be providing you the goods and services that you want here close to home, you know. So, well, good. So let's talk, let's talk about another goal that I think would be important as we're looking at financials um, is making sure that we understand patterns mm-hmm. with financials. A lot of times we look at the last year, but a lot of times that isn't going to tell us. But I bring up patterns for this reason, because patterns are consistent over time. We may have anomalies like COVID that throw some things in there. But as you're looking at patterns, I would be going back seven years, but I would also look at the last two years and to, and to see, all right, is what COVID has done, are we back on track or is it showing the pattern that it's going to get us back to where we were pre-COVID? Okay. So, so- 
I, I'm, I'm going to ask you for a clarification here for a second. Most of the time, people call it trend analysis, and you're talking about patterns. To me, I think patterns yeah. and trends are different things. Uh, I would agree, yes. Pa- trends are... Uh, Trends are like clothing trends. You know, clothes I grew up with. Wow, age myself. Clothes I grew up with. It's, it's scary to all of a sudden see a high school kid wearing the same clothes I was wearing when I was in high school <laughs> X amount of years ago. <laughs> but but that, that's a, you know, a, kind of a trend uh-huh. that goes there. Um, but a, a pattern is something that stays consistent and you, you understand when and when and how it's going to develop or what it's most likely going to do next. So, so if I've never done, you know, I, I'm, I'm new to financials and you're telling me to look for patterns. And, and I've seen this all the time. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll hand some financials, you know, over to someone. And I'll be like, okay, I want, you to, I want you to look at this and tell me what's happening. They're just like, I, I, I don't know. Sales are up, I guess. You know, <laughs> like, like wh- what's your process when, when you're identifying a pattern, what, what are you doing? What financial statements do you have in front of you? I mean, do you have just year after year or monthlies or quarterlies? Like, like uh, what, I, what are you doing? So I'm going to start with first annual, your annual financials. I'm going to look at the bigger picture. Um, so I'm going to, and I'm generally going to go five years at a minimum. Okay. Uh, uh, sometimes I'll go back seven if I have questions and I'm trying to better understand a pattern. Uh, so I'm going to start with five years, and we're going to look at big picture stuff. Hey, are sales consistently growing up, or have they just been erratic? Mm-hmm. Um, have our cost of goods been holding flat, or are they going up in comparison to our sales? Mm-hmm. Um, what about wages? Okay, am I are my wages increasing comparatively to my sales? Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm looking at some of that stuff. So if the pattern is throwing, showing consistent, um, it tells me okay, that's something that is probably going to happen next year. Now, if I get something like, hey, wait a minute, I'm seeing some volatility in my cost of goods in relationship to my sales, and now I'm going to drill down to quarterly. If I can see what's going on quarterly, great, that's where I'm going to stop. If I can't, then I need to go down to monthly to figure out what that anomaly is to understand if it's an anomaly or whether there's a break in that pattern. Mm-hmm. It's going to cause me a disruption going forward because mm-hmm. um, there, there's always a disruption. There is. Um, we just want to control the disruptions. So uh, a couple things that I'd like to add to that when I'm looking at patterns. Keep in mind natural changes and don't compare apples to oranges. Correct. Like, uh, you know, on ratio analysis that we talked about last time, uh, when I'm doing ratio analysis, am I doing quarterly ratios or am I doing annual ratios? And if I've got a quarterly ratio, don't compare it to an annual ratio from two years ago and think that it's the same thing. You need to compare quarters to quarters, annual to annual, you know, and, and, and you got to keep it consistent with, with how you're looking for these patterns, you know, uh, similar time frames. Uh, you know, you're, you're identifying key moments in the business's history. You know, if you, if you purchased a, a new building and it was a major expansion, then obviously that's going to change the pattern. And, you know, you, you need to, so if, if I'm going back five or seven years, there probably were some big defining moments during that period of time. And, and it doesn't have to be like buying a building. I see a lot of people that they change over uh, their accounting software. And when they change over their accounting software, you would think that it would stay fairly consistent. It always creates a little bit of change, just the way that things are, you know, documented, accounted for. And, and so I'm going to just 
put a little note and say, hey, this is where that change happens. So there might be some variation in, you know, some of the ratios that I'm looking at. Take that into consideration. The other thing, this helps me understand financial statements. Your P&L, I'm never looking at a P&L beyond one year in terms, like, like I'll look at, you know, this year compared to last year, but I'm not going to look at two years worth of P&L. Your balance sheet, on the other hand, your balance sheet is like a snapshot. Picture that I take my phone out and I, you know, I take a picture of you. Uh, let's go with your kids because you don't change very much. <laughs> I take a picture of your kids, right? And I snap a picture of your kids. And if I were to snap a picture of your kids a year later and I would see how much they've changed, that's what a balance sheet is. A balance sheet is basically it's the snapshots of your business from inception all the way to today. And every time I look at a balance sheet, it's like looking at a, at a photograph of, oh, this is what my business looked like on that day. And I kind of use that to help me understand. So if I'm looking at quarterly P&L against a balance sheet, or if I'm looking at annual P&L against a balance sheet, the balance sheet is consistent. It's a snapshot of that day. The P&L is the time period that has changed. I don't know if that made any sense, but it helps me understand a little bit better. Oh, it makes it, well, for me, it makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> I better put that caveat out there. I, I, and I, I absolutely agree and. Too many business owners tend to just look at their uh, P&L, and so they ignore the balance sheet. But the balance sheet tells us more about really the health of the organization mm -hmm. than that profit and loss. Yeah. So if you're not using all the financial statements, that's one of your goals. You got to make sure that you're incorporating all an understanding of all of your or of your uh, financial statements and how they interact with each other at a very simple level. I, we're not saying you have to take an accounting course. Mm -hmm. No way. I mean, you can take a, a growth by the numbers in 16 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, is it more than that? Uh, the videos are five hours, but 16 okay. is close. Okay. <laughs> uh, total hours. So we'll ramp it up. We'll double it. So within 16 I, hours. I mean, there's study time. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. So within a week, <laughs> if you have no understanding... You can understand and understand how they correlate and they work with each other and how to look at each to do some of this stuff. Uh, super easy. So there's a plug for your business. I appreciate that. So, Thanks. Um, but, but it's a fantastic one. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I'm, my point more so is that you don't have to take uh, a year long accounting course at the, at the local university, college, tech school to become good at financials. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can do it. There's resources out there. We just mentioned a, a fantastic one that uh, can get you where you need to be in a relatively short period of time. Matter of fact, that probably ought to be one of your goals is to say, all right, where, where am I weak in my financials and my financial understanding? And then implement a process to help bridge that gap. If you don't put in the time, you will not understand your financials. So, you know, here we are. It's the first of the year. You're looking for a New Year's resolution or a Cinco de Mayo resolution. Go with spending time on your financials. I, uh, I have a friend who, uh, he decided he wants to learn to dance. And so he, uh, <laughs> so he, uh, he found an online dance course and he signed up for it. And, and I, I was talking to him and I'm just like, well, you know, how, how much do you have to do? And he said, well, you know, I did some research before I signed up and I need to spend 30 minutes a day, five days a week if I want to make enough progress for it to matter. And, you know, 
I look at that and I'm just like, what a great practice of understanding what the commitment is to make it matter. Because, you know, you think about dancing, like at what point are you willing to dance in front of other people? You know, like you've got to get to a certain level before you're getting any benefit out of it. Well, likewise, at what point are you willing to make financial decisions in your business based on your understanding of finance? Because there's a learning curve. And if you're new to this, you should you should be delving into that. But you really shouldn't be, you know, pulling someone into the office and being like, I'm sorry, we're going to have to let you go because I've been reviewing my financials. <laughs> I think this is the right thing to do. <laughs> you know? well, well, but that's an interesting point. Let's, let's, so let's talk about this for a minute mm-hmm. because when we talk about making decisions for your company based off financials, what are we talking about? And, and this is, so this is what I would say. When I'm using my financials as an organization to make decisions, I want to know, all right, what are some indicators of when I should hire someone? Mm-hmm. Okay. When are some indicators that I might should be looking for a new location or building because I'm outgrowing it? Mm-hmm. And, and yes, we kind of have a gut feeling for that, but w- the idea we're trying to take the guesswork out of it. We're trying to t- teach people to use data to help drive those decisions instead of just that gut feeling. The gut, I'm never going to discredit gut feelings, but when you have data behind it, it makes it easier to know that you're on the right path. But but your gut feeling is always late. It's always delayed. Yes, that's right. You know, I mean, if you have a gut feeling that, oh, I, I, this is a terrible, <laughs> if you have a gut feeling that like your relationship is about to end. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. <laughs> exactly. Like you, you want to know that she's no longer into you. Like you want to know that three months before she's no longer into you because otherwise, you know, you're, you can't make changes to save it when they got feeling. So you're right. But <laughs> I, that's just what came to mind. And I'm sorry, but it fits really well. So, so there's a lot of, what other decisions do you work with companies that you know, I mean, employees is a common one. What levels do we have sales and or profits to justify the next move for that? Uh, pieces of equipment. Um, and what are some other thoughts? Because I mean, we probably had to give something tangible so they're thinking about, all right, can my financials really help me make these good decisions? Sure. So I'm actually going to kind of go down a little bit of a checklist here of, uh, you know, I, I mean, we, we've been we've been spouting out a few, but let's let's get clear on them. Okay. Uh, any hiring or firing decision? Yes, firing decision. And the interesting thing is a lot of times people think, well, I just fired that guy because he wasn't doing his job. But when you fire that person, you need to know, are you going to replace them? Are you going to replace them at the same wage or a different wage? You know, is this a good time to make a change in your company? And if you don't have that information and you end up firing someone, you're going to scramble and you're going to have this void that it's going to be very difficult to, to, you know, to fill with, you know, second guessing what you should do. And I see a lot of people, they'll, they'll fire someone and then they'll turn around and hire someone that they shouldn't have hired because their only focus is to replace that position. And I'm like, no, 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 
when you fire someone or when someone leaves, I guess it doesn't have to be as dramatic as, you know, firing, but when someone leaves for whatever reason, that's a great opportunity to rethink the structure of your company, especially, you know, if you've got like a half a dozen employees or, you know, 10 employees or 20 or 30 employees, you know, if you're kind of a, a smaller business, every person who comes and goes really affects the whole culture of the company. You know, if you get into some of these massive corporations, people are coming and going every single day, but these smaller businesses, it affects it. So hiring and firing. And, uh, and as you say this one, let me put this in there real quick. Remember from the last episode, we talked about two things when we're looking at financials, helping us understand the security of mm-hmm. our organization and the efficiency. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you continue now, but keep that in the back of your mind as you're looking at those things. Consider, make sure that we're making and understanding that piece of it. Security, is it making my company more secure and efficient? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, the next one that I'm looking at is price point, my pricing. Am I priced correctly in the market is always done uh, by reviewing your financials. And a lot of times people look at it as, you know, they look at it at the micro level you know, they're just like, oh, well, I got to be competitively priced, but they don't look at it as the macro level of, okay, what is your overall profit margin? What is your overall gross margin? You know, and, and are there other ways, you know, I was talking with a business recently that was struggling because they're like, look, we're losing gross margin. We have to raise our prices, but we're getting a lot of kickback when we try and raise prices. It's just really the customer is not, you know, they're, they're not reacting the way that we would hope to. Maybe it was a mistake to, to raise some of these prices. And I told him, I'm like, well, you can make up the difference in the operating expenses on the, on the P&L as opposed to trying to make it up in the cost of goods. You know, and, and so if you're, if you're stuck on that price point and you're like, oh, you know what? The supply chain has gotten expensive, and so my costs are going up, but I don't feel like I can pass those costs along to my customers. Then I start looking at the operation side of things, and I say, okay, where where can you make other cuts? You know, Can you cut back on some of your exploratory advertisement that maybe is eating into it? You know, Can you cut back on some of your office expenses? People are now working from home, so maybe I, I can offset that and, and reduce my, my office expenses by you know, passing that on to work-from-home models. You know, the, those are all decisions that, that are going to be made using the financial statements. So, And can I make a note real quick before you jump again? Mm-hmm. When we talk about margins, it's important to have a comparison. So you've got to have, uh, if, I'm, if my profit margin is 11% mm-hmm. and I go, wow, that's great. I'm having 11%. Buffer there, I'm doing a grazing. However, if all my competitors, their margins are 23, 24%, (laughs) uh, no, I'm failing. Right. I have somewhere I need to correct and clean up to be more efficient. Otherwise, I'm not going to be competitive much longer. Which, and that's another one that we can look at is your competitive advantage. You'll see your competitive advantage in the financials. And this is, a lot of times people think they're more competitive than they are. You know, yes, they, yes. And, 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 and I'll see this, maybe I'm kind of on sports analogies a little bit mm-hmm. here, but you know, you see a team that there's like, oh, we're amazing, but they've been practicing uh, with themselves. You know, they're, they're on the field in preseason just practicing. And then they actually go up against some real competition and get slaughtered. And all of a sudden what happens the next time they go to practice, they've stepped up their game. 
they're now serious when they go to practice because they realized how tough the competition really is and what they need to actually do to prepare for those games. And so your financial statements are a great way to see how competitive you are because everyone, you know, they're just like, oh, people are telling us all the time how much they love us. I'm like, yeah, they're telling you with their mouths. Are they telling you with their dollars? Right. You know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put competition in there or competitive advantage as, as another one that I'm looking at. Uh, sources of funding. That, good, good one. you know, uh, I'm always looking at my sources of funding. Before I ever take a bank loan, accept a grant, before I invest my own money, I need to look at what does that change on my financials? Not where, not only where am I today, but what does that change? How do my financials now look you know, because of that. And I know some businesses that, you know, they got, uh, they got some COVID money. You know, there was a lot of money that went out to businesses when, when COVID hit, you know, the government was giving them money and all of a sudden it changed their financials. And some of them managed it correctly. And there's like, look, this is one-time monies that need to offset here. I'm going to do the accounting. Other businesses that I saw, they treated it as though that was, you know, operating income. And well, well, and I, bad. And, yeah. And I just worked with a company recently that, uh, COVID money made it so that they had a really good profitable year. And when I first saw the financials and I looked at the one year versus the other, and I says, wow, you guys had a really good year during the COVID. They must've loved you. And they're like, oh, we got some extra money from COVID. Oh, okay. We need to take that out of this. We need to consider mm-hmm. and maybe take this out as we're looking at, financials and goals and projections of what we want to do because it skewed it. Mm-hmm. See, that's where we talk about looking year to year, seeing an anomaly. Well, we could make an adjustment and really understand what was going on in the company because of that. But it, you're right. It's If you're not careful and you don't understand those financials and what happened, you'll make a wrong decision. You got to understand every component of it. Yeah. You'll get overconfident and it's yes. just dangerous. So, We've mentioned this one a lot, so uh, you know I'm not going to go into detail. But inventory management that that needs to be done uh, with the foundation of your financial statements. But the one, the other, uh, um, uh, the other uh, asset that we haven't talked about that is also a big deal is the accounts receivables. And, you know, I'm looking at that. That's going to help me know whether my accounting team is operating correctly, whether my collection policies are making sense, and whether I have good, healthy accounts. Because if my accounts receivables are starting to run away, I might be in a bad situation. You know, if you start working with larger vendors, they tend to push that accounts receivables up. And a lot of times people are like, oh, big vendors, you know, like all of a sudden I got in with someone like Walmart and they're excited that their product is is in a big store and they get excited about that, but they don't realize the impact that that's having on like their cash flow or that that's starting to compete against their other customers. And so they're shifting their entire balance and maybe you don't want that. Maybe you purposely want to stay away. You know, I see a lot of businesses now that are making a conscious choice to be an online only and not have a retail front. And that's a decision that would be made with the financial statements. You know, I, I, I've, got to, I've got to look and see how do I want to do business with my customers? Which customers do I want to work with? Because if I'm going to be an online only, then I'm kind of not really doing the the AR as much as maybe if I'm going to be, you know, in in a retail store, for example. Yeah. 
Um, so here, this would be one of my last thoughts. I'm, I'm sure we're getting close on time. You and I <laughs> talk way too much, and then before we know it, it's time to... So here would be one of my last thoughts, and then uh, if you have any other last thoughts, fill them in. So my, my last thought is going to be, do not trust your accountant, okay? <laughs> it's so harsh, but true. Do not trust your accountant. You can trust him if you completely understand what he is telling you. Okay. And what his job is. Correct. But if you're just doing whatever your accountant says, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And two things are going to happen. Your accountant is going to start to run your business and he's going to hold you hostage, or he's going to start taking money from you because you don't know how to find out that he's embezzling from you on your financial statements. Okay. So I, most accountants out there are, are amazing. They do a great job. I'm not saying accountants are bad in any ways. My, my advice is that you can't, you need to understand your financials as well when it comes to the operational side of it, the managerial accounting of it, not the, not the gap financing principle type stuff, but the managerial side of it as well as your accountant. If mm-hmm. you do that, you'll have a great team and your sales will increase because you'll make solid decisions. Right. And, and to just kind of clarify a, a point on that. We're huge fans of accountants. Like you need to have an accountant. I, I what, use one. Yeah, wh- wh- whether it's in house or whether you contract out that accountant, but don't use your accountant as a financial manager. You are the financial manager. If you own your business, you manage your finances. The accountant organizes that information so that you can make good decisions. They're not the ones making the. They shouldn't be the ones making those decisions. They should be organizing the information so you can make those decisions. Yeah, and, and I'm not opposed to an accountant counseling with you as you make decisions. That, sure. is, that is smart, but don't leave it solely to them. Yeah. Okay, now that we've just lost all the accountants <laughs> listening. <laughs> For the few of you who are still listening to this fabulous episode, we're going to wrap it up right there. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. If you have any questions, reach out. It's uh, ryan at marketingmanagementmoney.com, and uh, we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.